Aunt, uh, last week, well, it's good to remember, we're going through a, a series in Acts, just working ourselves along chronologically. And last week, we had the exciting story of Peter and John walking up to the temple, seeing the lame man and healing him. So last week, we had a miracle. So my question for you is, what do you expect will happen next? Steph didn't know... Um, what I'm speaking on other than the passage. So it was really cool to me that you said God gave you the word expect, because that's actually what a lot of today is hanging on, is that sense of expectation. And just take a second and think about what you expect. You're a child of God, so should everything actually be easy? Do you somehow think, you may not say it, but you actually somehow think, I really should be rich and healthy? Sorry, you're a vicar, no hope. Um, healthy maybe, healthy you can be. Um, do you somehow deep down think you, you really have a right to be happy? And if you don't get this, do you somehow secretly feel cheated? Um, I was reminded it's a little bit because the... Pretty much the last song we just sang was How Great Thou Art, or at least a part of it. That was my father's favorite, favorite hymn. And it reminded me that he and my mother obeyed God's call to go to the mission field, and they went to Central Africa and worked there for decades. And then 30-some years later, my dad died of a tropical disease. Does that sound fair? Well, we're going to look at Peter and James's experience of what happens next. Is this what they expected? Does this seem fair? So it's Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 22. It's on page 1095 of the church Bible. I cannot tell you which page of your phone it is on. Um, and I will read through it. The priests... And the captain of the temple guard, keep in mind this is right after the miracle, right? So they just had this great stuff happen. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. That Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must, must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So what this passage tells us, coming back to expectations, is sorry, but life isn't easy just because you know Jesus and do his will or do what he says. Therefore, what we're looking at today is we're looking at facing opposition. I'm going to do what I typically do, which is read through the passage, make comments, and to help make it clear which is which, again, I will raise my hand when I'm reading scripture. The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So in this story, who do we see is the opposition? Rather ironically, it's the religious leaders. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Okay, why were they opposing them? They were opposing them because the wrong people were teaching and they were teaching the wrong things from the perspective of the religious leaders. And we even see that today quite often in religious institutions. We, we easily fall back on wanting to control things. That's why we set up clergy. Those people are allowed to do certain things. That's why we have lay ministers. They're allowed to do certain things. That's why we have lay readers. They're allowed to do certain things. We trust their teaching because somehow they're special. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. So how did they oppose them? They used what they had. They didn't have supernatural spiritual power, so they used earthly power. They used force to try and control the situation. But many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed grew to about five thousand. I love the fact the first word in that sentence is but. But despite the opposition, despite the people knowing that the religious leaders were going to be upset, despite the fact that people were being arrested, God is still at work because you can't control the truth. Lots of people believe despite the opposition. That feels great. Peter and John going, yeah, look at this. Five thousand people. 
isn't the electoral roll going to look great in six months when we can count them? But they still ended up in jail overnight, which doesn't feel quite so great. So God does let stuff happen to us that we may not always like. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. Now, those don't sound like big names to us because we didn't live back then, but the reason those names are in there is because to people living in that day, those were the big names. They recognized those people. Those were the power religious leaders of the day. So now, James and... Sorry, it's John and Peter. Yes, let's stick to the correct people. Peter and John are not just being opposed, they're now being opposed by the big names. But I would, I would go as far as to say part of the reason I think they don't get thrown by that is because they realize those are big names, but they're not as big a name as God, who is on their side. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that bit. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not filled with fear. Here he is. He's been arrested. He's been in prison. He's facing the big names, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit rather than fear. Keeping going. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, note that, he's clear that it's about Jesus. He's not ashamed about that. He goes right to the point, it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. So he's clear it's about Jesus, but he's also clear about who Jesus is. Jesus is the guy who can be killed by you and still come back from the dead. God raised him. But he also, in saying that, is quite clear about the religious leader's guilt. He doesn't soften the fact that actually they crucified Jesus. Continuing on, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. So Peter is clear about Jesus' position. Jesus is the only door to walk through. If you want to find salvation, Jesus is it. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Isn't that a great thing to say about them? They're just ordinary. Anyway, they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They look at them in the midst of this opposition, the way they're talking, what they're doing, and the courage and effect of having been with Jesus can be seen in them. People don't look and say, gee, they had great training. Gee, he wears trendy clothes. Gee, he's a clever speaker. They say they've been with Jesus. And that's what I would hope that will people will primarily see in us. 
Not that we have the world's best worship or the great teaching or we run great shine events, but that we've been with Jesus. Still do good worship, by the way. I do like it being on key. Um, But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. It's great to see in the midst of this whole opposition situation that yes, Peter and James are saying good things, but the primary issue is God's actions speak for themselves. We're not in this on our own. That's why they couldn't deny what they were saying. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. So we see as this is finishing up that the authorities are trying once again to use earthly authority to try and stop one with infinite authority. It's not going to work. In the long run, the church has grown. We see that as we continue to go through Acts, and we can see that by the fact the church is still here today. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Now for me, this is the key verse in the whole section. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and James look at them and basically say, we have to be witnesses. What we've seen and heard is so amazing, it's so exciting, it's made such a change to us, we have no choice. That's all we can do is speak about it. But they're not saying, they're saying anything special because once again they've had special training or they've been given secret knowledge or they crawled to, you know, Jerusalem on their knees or something. It's not about that. All they're doing is talking about what they have seen and they have heard. Bit of a challenge in there for us, by the way. Are we seeing and hearing so much from Jesus that A, we have something to say in the first place, and second, we can't hold it in? Because that's what Peter and James are saying. Peter and John even. I do know who this is about. And every time I feel bad, I feel like I have to apologize to the vicar. Why don't, why don't I, how about I apologize to you? I'm sorry, you're young and influent, in, you know, easily influenced and I'm leading you into heresy. I do apologize. <laughs> Keep him straight. Okay. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. So we're getting to the end of this passage and we see that the people are not praising God for what the high priests and the teachers of the law did. What they're praising God, what the unity is all about, is about praising God for what he has done. Why? For the men, the man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So all the priests, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders in Jerusalem who'd gone to the temple day after day, walked past this lame man for 40 years they had not been able to help him for 40 years but John and Peter did so in one sentence 
But keep in mind that sentence included the name of Jesus. So as I finish up, I want to make four suggestions of things that we should expect. Number one, expect opposition. Jesus was really clear to his disciples, including Peter and John, that opposition was going to come, which is why they weren't surprised. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Secondly, expect God to be praised when good things happen. Once again, Jesus told his disciples, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So us doing good deeds, some of which may be miracles, a lot may be a lot more normal, will help point people to and have them praise God. Thirdly, expect the Holy Spirit to show up when you actually face opposition. Again, what Jesus told his disciples was, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And lastly, fourthly, do expect some people to respond. Otherwise, why did Peter preach? Reading one of the verses out of this section again, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The results are worth the opposition. So as I finish, I have to look you in the eye and say opposition will come to you in some form if you speak up for Jesus. He has told us this. But if you've really been changed by Jesus, like Peter and John were, you actually won't be able to keep quiet. Hopefully you'll find yourself like they said, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So, in light of all that, if I can have you bring the question up, we are now gonna switch to you having a few minutes to discuss and try and put this into our minds, particularly as we're thinking about our missional communities and reaching out in this neighborhood. What opposition should we expect from our community and how should we deal with that? Discuss.